0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. People who receive federal housing assistance might soon see their rent triple. That's if U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Ben Carson Gets his way. Carson put forward a plan recently that would increase the percentage of renters' incomes put toward rent from 30% to 35%. NPR reports that in some cases, that would mean a 300% increase in rental payments for some of the neediest families. And it would also allow public housing authorities to impose work requirements on people who receive this assistance. What would this mean for those families? What will this do to communities that are already plagued by housing insecurity? What kind of answer is this to the continuing cycle of poverty? And what does this tell us about Ben Carson and the Trump administration's view of poor people? We want to hear from you for sure this segment. How do you think we should treat people who can't afford a roof over their head uh, on their income alone? Is this the way to approach poverty Uh, Is this a way to try to eradicate poverty, or is this simply punishing people who are poor for being poor? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page. Put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today will work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about this proposal is Diane Yentl. She is the president and CEO of the National Low Income Housing Coalition. Diane, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk first about uh, this this proposal uh, it, it, it does as many things out of this administration seem to come out of nowhere. Uh, but, but tell us what, uh, from your vantage point, what effect this would have on federal housing assistance, uh, and, and talk a little about the history of federal housing assistance, assistance, why the federal government thought it was necessary to provide this kind of help for, for poor people.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, so one of HUD's key um, focuses of work is ensuring that people are affordably housed, especially low-income people. And so they run, administer a number of rental housing programs that make rents affordable for low-income or even the very lowest-income people. And they do it through... Major housing programs. Um, some that some of your listeners are probably most familiar with are the public housing program or the Section 8 voucher program, otherwise known as the Housing Choice Voucher program. And the way those programs work is they set rents within a reasonable limit, um, and folks pay a certain percentage of their income towards the rent, and then the federal government pays the rent, but the rest, to keep those rents affordable for those lowest income people. Mm-hmm. So. For years, for decades, there's been an agreed upon standard of what is affordable housing and there's agreement that we shouldn't be paying, any of us, we shouldn't be paying more than 30% of our rent, uh, of our income towards rent. When we're paying more than that, it leaves us vulnerable to kind of financial shocks, unexpected um, costs that could mean that we would be less able to pay our housing costs. So when people pay over 30% of their income towards rent, they're considered to be rent-burdened. Mm-hmm. So today, what um, what Secretary Carson is proposing to do is actually to increase rent burdens for those lowest-income people that are in HUD-subsidized programs. He's seeking to impose uh, work requirements, rent hikes, and other burdens, really, on the millions of lowest-income people who are receiving federal housing assistance through HUD today. And couple things to know about the people who are receiving that housing assistance. Um, the vast majority of them are seniors, whether mm-hmm. they're people with disabilities, right, on fixed incomes, or they're caring for people with disabilities, or they are working, but they're working really low-wage jobs and the kind of jobs where it's tough to, to cobble together enough hours in a week or in a month to make ends meet. Yeah. And the rent increases that Secretary Carson is proposing actually target the very poorest people, including seniors and people with disabilities. And we can talk a little bit about how they do that. Yeah. But I think it's important to know that it's it's purposeful that these proposed changes would actually impact the people who can absorb those changes the least.
0: Yes, yes. Um, uh, talk about this idea of imposing work requirements and how that fits in the people affected. Uh, my sense is, a lot of these people do work uh, already, and and again, as you said, it, it suggests a, a kind of targeting that that is really concerning.
1: Yeah, well, exactly right. So, so again, you know, the people who are receiving
0: housing assistance today, or the people
1: who are in need, because by the way, only we have a we have a vastly underfunded mm-hmm. housing assistance program, right? So, only one in four of the lowest-income people who need housing assistance gets any at all, right? So um, for those households, the vast majority of those who are either receiving the assistance or who need it, just extremely low-income renters, they're seniors or people with disabilities who are on very limited fixed incomes, or they are working, but they're working these really low-wage, minimum-wage jobs, the kind of jobs where, you know, it's tough to get enough hours in a week. And when you set arbitrary work requirements, when you say, you know, you need to have this many hours in a week or in a month in order to maintain your housing assistance. If that family isn't able to get that number of hours at their job Mm -hmm. that week or at their month, and they fall during that month and they fall below that threshold, then we're threatening to actually take away the very housing stability that makes it possible for them to obtain or retain employment in Mm -hmm. the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, People are working. This this kind of job work requirements don't create the kind of well-paying jobs that are needed to lift people out of poverty. Right? It just makes it harder for struggling families to get ahead by cutting them off from the very housing stability, from the services that make it possible for the, them to get and keep their jobs in the first place.
0: Yeah, uh, that you've used that word a couple times: stability, housing stability. Uh, in theory I guess uh, that should be the goal of HUD is to help people who face housing instability to have right. some stability given that that housing instability is is as we know a real driver of of poverty but I, right. I wonder I wonder how much you think that is part of the sort of DNA of of the agency and, and, and I'd like you to talk to about to speak to not just, in the era of Donald Trump, where we know that, that that's not the goal, and and, and there's a very little understanding, I fear, at the top at least, of what that would look like. But, but historically, uh, how good has HUD been on the question of stability, uh, you know, providing housing stability for those who can't provide it for themselves?
2: Yeah, so
1: a few things to say about that. I mean, one is HUD can do what Congress funds them to do, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, HUD can do only so much with the very limited funding that they get appropriated to the programs that make rents affordable for the lowest-income people. Within the programs that HUD funds, um, those major rental assistance programs, you know, they make a tremendous difference in the lives of struggling low-income people. When, As you said, you know, when people have a home that they can afford, There are so many other benefits to their lives, to the community's health, right, and even to the country's economy and its future. Like we know when people are affordably housed, their health improves. Their kids' educational attainment increases. They have better lifetime earnings, and even they live longer. There's longer life expectancy when Mm -hmm. people are stably housed. So the problem is that for many, many years now, Congress has been underfunding these programs. And we could go back to kind of the late 70s to look back to a time when the homelessness that exists in this country today didn't exist back then. And we actually had a surplus of homes that were affordable for the lowest-income people. Today, we have a shortage of over 7 million affordable homes for the lowest-income people. And the difference between back then and now is that back then we had deeply targeted federal programs that we invested in, and there's been just chronic disinvestment since that time, and that's what's leading to increased homelessness and increased housing poverty across the country.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Diane Yentel. She is the president and CEO of the National Low-Income Housing coalition we're talking about the proposal from the Department of Housing and Urban Development uh, that some rents for people who uh, receive federal housing assistance might go up might go up uh, by uh, triple in other words uh, 3 3 times what they pay now the contribution that they're asked to make uh, what's the purpose of this proposal what's the effect going to be of this Proposal and what does it say about how the Trump administration is viewing the neediest Americans and their response to them? If you want to join the conversation, uh, the number on the phones is 577 1019. That's 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation uh let's go to alex in detroit alex welcome to detroit today
2: hi there how hi. are you
0: good how are you doing all
3: right um so um i just wanted to say that uh from what it sounds like the trump administration as a whole really doesn't uh seem to care much um for um facts or um in a sense um what the effects of their actions might have it seems there's a a real distance between their understanding of um what their actions are going to do to this country um, should they, should they get their way with this um, you know, work requirement for housing funds. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like there's no connection between um, you know if you require people to work and they're not able to work, they lose their housing, making them homeless, and then you've, in a sense, put emplo- unemployment at a higher rate. So if the goal is to create more jobs, I don't think we're going to create more jobs for the poorest Americans. Um, if anything, we're going to um, put them out of work um and increase the homelessness problem and um uh, as someone who works in, in the medical field um i've seen firsthand what it looks like when um people lose their house mm-hmm. and um they're no longer able to take care of themselves and then um not just they're a burden but um they become someone who's isn't able to take care of themselves and they're and they're no longer um a contributing member of society because they're they're in such a, a place of of disadvantage
0: yeah yeah uh, alex thanks very much for the call Uh, and the comments uh, this idea of um, you know uh, how much or how aware the Trump administration is of the effect of these things I think that's something that's on lots of people's minds Uh, Diane do do you have confidence that they have the expertise uh, in place and and in the place of influence I guess to be able to to make sense of all of this
1: I mean, I think there's certainly some expertise within the building of HUD. Uh, you know, I think it's well known. Of course, Secretary Carson did not have any experience with or knowledge of HUD's programs before he became HUD Secretary. And right. I, I think Alex raises a number of really good points. And sort of the core of it is like, what's the point of this, right? Why? Right. Or, why is HUD proposing? Why is the administration proposing these changes? And you know, I think there's definitely a um, Philosophical, ideological purpose here of you know des- uh, separating out right the so-called deserving from the undeserving poor. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot of problematic, stereotypical um, tropes about um, you know able-bodied people sitting on the sidelines and so mm-hmm. on and so forth, and lots of of course racial undertones to that. That I think the administration purposefully plays into, then I think we'll hear Secretary Carson talk often about this need to save money for the federal government, that these programs cost too much, they cost more and more each year, and it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I think the two of them together, you know, these, these attempts to raise rents on the most vulnerable people in our country are part of a larger assault, by the administration on the entire social safety net right attempts to take healthcare away sure. from the people who need it the most and to take away food assistance from hungry families and i think that this these these attempts to attack the social safety net right months after giving massive tax cuts to wealthy people and sure. corporations is just extraordinarily um, hypocritical yeah. that if we're this is not about this is not about saving money if we were serious about saving money for the federal government we wouldn't have had these massive tax giveaways for the wealthiest people in the country and then this immediate pivot to proposing massive cuts to the programs that give some stability to the lowest income people in our country mm-hmm. the, just one more thing to say on that sure. too is that just within HUD you know we're talking about this recent proposal Uh, related to increasing rents and work requirements, and in some ways, time limits for housing assistance. That's in a larger context of proposals to slash funding for these programs. This year, the president's budget proposal for HUD would cut its budget by $11 billion a year, completely eliminate programs that create affordable homes for people or repair the public housing and capital needs that exist or give give rental assistance to low-income people. I mean, the budget proposal would actually mean 200,000 people who have rental assistance today would lose that assistance. Right. So this is really, this is the latest of a series of attempts to really decimate some of HUD's key programs that house the lowest-income people. hmm
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about HUD and housing assistance and rent increases. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Tom in Northwest Detroit, Cassandra in Detroit. We will get to you. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Diane Yentl. She is the president and CEO of the National Low Income Housing Coalition. We're talking about HUD and housing assistance and the proposal inside HUD to increase housing, uh, increase rent contributions from people who receive housing assistance. In some cases, uh, tripling uh, those rents. If you want to join the conversation, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, uh, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation on Twitter. Tiffany says Carson's movement here will result in massive quote Trumpvilles, just like the Hoovervilles of the nineteen thirties. There already is a huge affordable housing uh, crisis throughout the United States. I fear this may strike a match that won't easily quench, I fear, the worst. Uh, let's go to Cassandra in Detroit. Cassandra, yes. welcome to Detroit today. Go ahead.
2: Yes, uh, I'm an advocate at West Side Mothers, and what we do mm-hmm. is we help people that have problems with housing and the uh, Department of Human Services, which mm-hmm. is our main thing. Mm-hmm. I have young women uh, and seniors that come in here who are on a limited income, and if their housing goes up, that leaves them with nothing. They're already not able to ride, uh, afford a car, let alone the insurance. Mm-hmm. But they have the bare necessities. Um, also, with the Department of the Human Services, uh, I had a young lady come in. She's only working uh, 20 hours a week at McDonald's, and she has three children. Mm-hmm. What is she to do? Right. Uh, basically, I'm really concerned about our, our seniors as well as our young women uh, uh, and and the children. There is a great book that everyone needs to read because the basis of all of this, in my opinion, from my observation, is racism. Mm-hmm. And Runaway Inequality is a book that everyone needs mm-hmm. to read. This stuff is done by design. Mm. In order to, they're destroying the black communities because they're causing the poverty levels to go up by us not having housing. Right, right. And what is the purpose of doing all this? And Mr. Ben Carson, of all people, he is acting just like uh, uh, what's that guy named Kenai West. Talking about slavery was an
0: option.
2: Where the hell are these people coming from?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, Cassandra, thanks very much for the call uh, and the comments. Uh, you know, I think uh, Diane, this gets to the the very uh, emotional sort of place of this, yeah. and 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 yeah. that's somebody who's working with yeah. some of these folks who who need the assistance. Uh, the the yeah. racial dynamic here, I think, is also uh very important, and I'm glad that Cassandra noted that uh, whether you believe this is intentional or not, uh, it is the effect of it uh, is is in, is it unequal uh, in racial terms? I mean you're gonna have far more African Americans as a percentage at least dealing with these things uh, as, as a result um that that matters and and that this is an administration that has shown so little concern for that those imbalances it it really does concern me in terms of maybe that that, that is intentional
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and I, I I really appreciate the um intensity with which people are focusing on how harmful these kind of proposals could be mm-hmm. because. You're right, this isn't about, this isn't numbers, this isn't spreadsheets. These are people's lives. Yes. And, you know, Cassandra's working with people every day who would be negatively impacted. I get all kinds of calls and emails from people who are scared. They hear about these proposed changes. Mm-hmm. They know what it would mean for their lives, and they're afraid of becoming homeless from these changes. Yeah. So I think one thing I just really want your listeners to understand is that this is just a proposal, and the way the housing programs work in our country, uh, the HUD secretary has limited ability to change these kind of foundational um, components of the program. He's got congressional- Congress. yeah. Exactly. Congress has to allow for any of these changes to happen, and yeah. so we have to be really vocal Letting our members of Congress know the negative impact, how harmful these kind of changes would be so that we stop these proposals in their tracks right. before they're ever enacted.
0: Yes. Diane Yentel, president and CEO of the National Low Income Housing Coalition. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. It's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.